Hey everybody, what's going on? Rob Sisternino here with some off-season Survivor coverage where we're going to look ahead to Survivor 29 with Dalton Ross who just got back from location and also take a look back at where Survivor Kageon fits in Dalton's all-time rankings. So I'm very excited about that. We've got a lot of other fun stuff going on. Our top 20 Survivor poll just went live on robhasawebsite.com so you could check that out as well. Before we get to Dalton, I want to take a moment and thank our sponsors for this podcast, and those are our friends over at DraftKings.com, and they are the kings of one-day fantasy baseball. Fantasy baseball at DraftKings is huge, uh, and anyone can enter with just a few bucks and win a ton of cash. People have turned as little as $11 into $4,000. Can you imagine? Another player won a hundred grand in his first time ever playing, and somebody even won a million bucks at DraftKings.com. $1 million in one day playing fantasy baseball. DraftKings takes watching baseball to a whole new level. Now you can win instant cash every day with every game. It's so easy to play one day fantasy baseball at DraftKings. That means no season-long commitments, no being stuck with a bunch of crappy players that lose six games in a row like the Mets, and just instant cash every day. Right now, you can score free entry into DraftKings' biggest fantasy baseball contest of the year, over $3 bucks in cash prizes with a $1 million first place. Enter ROB today at DraftKings.com for your free shot at hundreds, thousands, or even $1 million. Free spots are going quick, so enter ROB now at DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. And here is my interview with Dalton Ross. All right, everybody, I'm always very excited when we get this guy on the line because he is the authority on all things uh, Survivor and pop culture at large. Uh, He is the host of EW Morning Live. Please welcome Dalton Ross back to the show. Well, that was quite an introduction. I liked it. Yes, very good. Nice. Dalton, are you exhausted? uh, how, How recently did you get back from the set of Survivor 29? Uh, I've been back a few days now, and uh, it was a, it was an easy one as far as that goes. You know, all things being relatively equal, because it only took me 16 hours door to door to get back, and it was only a two hour time change. So, I mean, you know, compare that to like the Philippines, which took over 40 hours to get back, or you know, any of those places in the South Pacific and Central America is like a breeze, man. I mean, it's it's pretty easy. I think that's one of the reasons why Jeff Probst likes it so much is that it's quick. His family can visit or he can try to maybe pop back for a day if he needs to LA for something. But it's, it's, it's definitely close. You say 16 hours and people are like, whoa, but it, as you know, all too well in, in Survivor, that's, that's a pretty decent amount. Although what you were in, uh, in Panama and uh, the Amazon, yeah, that's I never pretty had, close too. never had to go too far. Yeah, so it's it it was uh you know it was and the trip was relatively easy, Rob. It's like one of those things where every it's an everyday like ninety five percent chance of rain and thunderstorms and looks brutal, but and it is the rainy season, so I'm sure they've gotten rain since I left. But we really didn't have much rain at all when I was there. So as far as all that stuff goes, I wasn't 
uh, you know, beaten, bloody, and bruised uh, too much. So uh, I'm back in the mix here in Midtown Manhattan. So you were sort of in the middle of a bunch of the survivor stories that came out over the last couple of weeks. Basically, everything we know about the season is pretty much because of you. Because uh, one, you interviewed Jeff Probst before you guys went, and then uh, he told some things which turned out to be misinformation ultimately. <laughs> and then you guys did your show live from Nicaragua for the whole week. And then a whole bunch of other things uh, came out. So could could you uh, take us through some of the things that we learned about Survivor 29 and, and what you can tell us about the new season? Well, yeah, and it's interesting, Rob, because I think it actually goes back to season 27, the first Blood versus Water, where, you know, they did it. You know, I think, you know, that I've never been a fan of Redemption Island. I've written about this extensively. Um, because I just feel like the vote off is the signature survivor moment and anything that takes away from that impact, you are neutering your most important moment. And, and, you know, the big blind said, Oh my God, he's out. Wait, no, he's not out. He's just going to redemption Island. It's like, so I've never been a big fan of that twist, but I try and keep an open mind. And I would say this, if you're going to have that twist, it definitely worked best at blood versus water. Because of all, you're like me, you know, you're like a strategy nerd too. And so many strategic angles that I had never even considered or thought of before were suddenly brought into play in Blood vs. Water with the Redemption Islands, you know, set up. Oh, do we send this person there because maybe Tyson will switch out? Do we send this person there because my loved one's there and this person probably won't beat my loved one? You know, all these different angles that were actually kind of cool. Uh, didn't make me like the twist, but I thought it was the best application of it. And so I spoke to Probst. And Probst basically said after that season, look, I get people don't like Redemption Island. I do like it. I agree it works best, blood versus water. So he had this thing which you know got circulated widely where he said, we'll probably just bring it back for blood versus water seasons. It'll be that kind of twist that when we do blood versus water, it'll come back. Okay. So fast forward now to finale night of uh, season 28. And I put up this post with Probst uh, previewing season 29. And yes, it's going to be another blood versus water. So I asked him, does that mean Redemption Island's back? And he says, yes, it does. It's back. We'll bring it back. Like I said, we would. And, and that's that. And it really wasn't that big news because we all assumed blood versus water would come back. So I, I assume that's the case. You reading it assume that's the case. Everyone assumes that's the case. Then I get out to Nicaragua and uh, about a day or two before filming, I'm sitting there talking to Probst and on the air, I, he didn't even tell me before we went on the air. So we're on the air and all of a sudden he goes, guess what? Got some news. It's not back. Uh, we decided uh, last minute not to bring it back. And instead, they've added in a different sort of element, which I unfortunately cannot reveal yet. But it's, a, it's an element that they hope will get you some of those strategic angles and decisions and things that need to get made without actually uh, having the opportunity to get back in the game. So I, I like it. I like what they're doing because they still have some of those elements. But at the same time, the vote off is still the final word. So I don't know if you can confirm or deny this, but I heard a rumor about what the new twist is, that it was also created by Tyler Perry. Can you confirm that? <laughs> you know, that Tyler Perry thing is so weird. I mean, you, you think it's weird. I think it's weird. I mean, we all know that that's not a new twist, that whole super idol. It was there in, in Panama and Cook Islands. And all of a sudden becomes the Tyler Perry idol. And uh, I thought it was actually very funny at the at the finale where Tyler Perry basically accused Probst of throwing him under the bus because <laughs> all of us didn't like it. But you know, I've spoken to Jeff. He said it to me. You saw him at the at the at the finale, the reunion, 
where he basically said, look, people just didn't like that because they didn't like who got it. I disagree with that completely. I've told Jeff mm -hmm. I disagree with that completely. I like Tony. I like Spencer too, but I like Tony and uh, didn't like that idol at all. I agree he was working the hardest uh, to find idols, so I'm, I don't have a problem with him getting a little reward for that. I think effort should be rewarded, but that's just that was too much. It was just too, too much. And, and I think deep down, Jeff probably knows that too. Yeah, it's not back. <laughs> it's not. It's not back. Uh, I, yeah, you know, I feel like that Jeff was very excited to get Tyler Perry involved with the Survivor franchise, and so we sort of like you know went went down that road because we we're pumped up to get Tyler Perry involved and sort of maybe as marketing for the show, like, hey, Tyler Perry likes this. Tyler Perry's into it, and maybe sort of like get some of his fans involved with Survivor. You know, the other thing, you know, look, no one's made more fun of some of these bad twists than me. And no one has just, uh, you know, the medallion of power, I, I'm, I, I just was all over that thing. But I do, look, I, I'm not one of those people that thinks it should always be the way it was. You've got to evolve. You've got to do things. And I think that Survivor's batting average with their twists, like Exile Island, like uh, Hidden Immunity Idols, like other things that have come and gone, I think it's pretty good. And so... I never begrudge them for trying something new, um, but I'm also going to say when I think something doesn't work, be loud and clear about that fact. Now, did you think it was too quick to go back to blood versus water? <sighs> Not necessarily. I mean, I thought it was great. Great. I love the twist uh, with it. I mean, you know the way it is now, Rob. Everything's quick. What was season eight? You were on that season. That was mm -hmm. the first all stars. Um, then, you know, outside of the, uh, you know, the Stephanie Bobby John situation, you know, we didn't really have another All-Star until 16, so you had to wait really eight seasons for that. But then they come back in 20 with Heroes Villains. So, you know, and then, of course, they're bringing people back every season for a while. So the cycle, it happens so much faster now that I don't have a problem. And, you know, they're using all new people. I think that's going to be a little bit of a challenge for them. Uh, Jeff doesn't think it is. I do think it is a little bit. That's not to say I don't think it's going to be a good season, but it's really easy to identify loved ones and who's matched up with whom when you know 10 of the players already. When you take in what was supposed to be 20, but now will only be 18, because uh, of the, the couple that dropped out right before filming, it's still going to be a little hard, I feel, for the viewers to match everyone up. Wait, who is this guy related to? Who's this person? So that's going to be a hurdle initially. I think uh, audiences are going to have to get over a little bit. But that said, the twist itself I like, and um, I like the fact that it'll be there uh, without Redemption Island. Okay, so the season is back in Nicaragua, and I know you're always very vocal about you got to have the water challenges on Survivor. You love the water challenges. Uh, are they going to be able to do water challenges in Nicaragua and not have like that pool that they had from the first <laughs> time they shot two seasons in Nicaragua? Well, the pool, remember that pool? Was that pool in Guatemala or Fiji or something? The actual constructed pool they did for the first time. They did have one in, in Nicaragua too, but they also had one somewhere else. I can't remember off the top of my head, but someone in your comments will correct me. Um, I think that's an interesting piece of news too that you, that you just stumbled upon, Rob, because again, I talked to Probst before I went out. He goes, that was our big concern. Get back in the water. We've got a plan uh, to execute it and we've really come up with some cool ways to do it. Then I get out there and they're having some issues. There's a big surf 
there are big swells. This is the ocean. There's not that lagoon. The thing people remember is that when you're in the Cook Islands or even the Philippines or Samoa, some of these places, they have like a lagoon usually with pretty still water. You know, there's not crashing waves on top of them and stuff as they're trying to do these things. Nicaragua doesn't really have that where they are. It's really the ocean. The surf is big, man. Like, they're, this is a surfer beach. San Juan del Sur, this is a big surfer beach. And I was out there at Hermosa Beach there, and these, these waves are big. Like, they're really big, and that's causing them an issue. Now, will things calm down a little bit, and will they be able to stage some of these things they want to stage? Hopefully. But I do know it's something that they're struggling with out there a little bit. What do you think of this name, San Juan del Sur? A lot of people have felt like uh, there's a little bit of a stretch. You like this name? Well, it's, it's, it's where they're filming it. So it's, you know, it's not just something they created out of nowhere, you know, Earth Flaffed Eden or something like that. <laughs> or uh, what, Islands of Fire, was that Vanuatu? Yeah. Uh, you know, this, is, this is actually, San Juan del Sur is where they're filming it. That's where I stay. That's where base camp is. So that's, that's the place where it is. So I, I don't have no problem with it whatsoever, just because uh, if you want a show with the location and the title, that's what they did. Now, I know whenever you guys go out there, you know, the, the creme de la creme of the press week is when you guys uh, actually participate in the challenge. Are you allowed to talk about uh, how that went yet? Or do we have to wait until all of this stuff that's embargoed ends up uh, making the air in September? Are you kidding? I've been bragging about it incessantly, absolutely (laughs) incessantly. I I can't say exactly what the challenge is, but I can tell you about elements of it and how we did it. And, and there are a few different elements to this one we did. And, you know, a lot of times in these challenges, you have to pick out one person to do a certain leg or what have you. Uh, So um, we're sitting there at breakfast at base camp and poverty shallow just starts throwing down on me and she's just like Ross I'm taking on you like we're going at it I'm like all right you know whatever you say uh so we get out there and the 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 section poverty and I have to do against each other is all balance and agility based and you know you know poverty pretty well and she owned her yoga studio when I first met her I was embedded with the contestants on her first season Cook Islands and I remember seeing her do all these crazy yoga stuff every morning. So I looked at this leg of the challenge rod, and I'm like, I'm getting smoked. I'm getting destroyed. It's going to be embarrassing. But I, 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 I can't discuss what I did, but I had two sort of, two sort of uh, strategic um, points that I tried to follow to get me through it, and it totally worked. And it was one of those things where I was able to figure out a way around my disadvantage strategically to beat her and, and, and I did, and I'm pretty handily too. But then of course my team choked and we lost the challenge. So it was good news, bad news, but I, I definitely was the survivor chump, uh, did okay against the survivor champ in this instance. So there was like a portion of the challenge where it was sort of like a, like mono mono, like you guys both had to do something at the same time and you just smoked poverty. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. And you know, like sometimes you got to pick, you know, pick one person to go dig up. a. Uh, I remember once in South Pacific, I did dig, dig up a machete and cut a rope against, you know, so it was sort of a one-on-one element we did there and then went into other players uh, doing other elements and uh, players on my team, especially one Jessica Shaw, my co-host uh, did not fare so well. <laughs> 
See, I feel like a lot of people don't know this about you, but you are quite the challenge beast when it comes down to, I guess you're sort of like Spencer, I would say, where it's like, you know, people don't think of you as, as like, okay, you know, because your persona is, okay, well, I'm, you know, I know all about entertainment and then people will probably think, okay, well, he's probably not good in challenges, but you have been dominant in your career, right? Yeah, it makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, it really, what makes no sense about it too is that I I I am a I'm a water guy. Like I was yeah. a little swim team kid when I was young, and I love the water. And anyone that's been out there knows every second I can be in the water, I'm in the water. But I haven't been able to do a lot of swim challenges. I mean, in the the whatever I've done, twelve, thirteen, I've done really only two of them have been in the water, um, and uh, so that's been frustrating. But uh, I've had some success there, and I've gotten either lucky or had some success. I, I think it's just because, Rob, honestly, it's probably only because I'm the only one that really cares enough to do what I'm, you know? <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm just, like, so into it while everyone else is like, yeah, whatever, I don't care. Yeah. So that that's probably has, has something to do with it. But there is something to do with that because, you know, you know the dream team. I don't have to explain to everyone who that is, the people that test out the challenges. They're all young and super fit and incredible. They, the contestants who are all tired and usually not quite as fit and, and hungry – we usually do just as well or better than the dream team just because the stakes. What are the stakes of the dream team? Bragging, maybe a beer at the bar later. But the stakes and how much you care about it, it really does, you know, the whole heart, uh, how much heart do you have, uh, really does make a difference in those things. Yeah, and so uh, yeah, we all know that uh, the swimming challenges are your forte. Do they not want to make like the press people like go in go in the water? Because God knows if I was on a, a press store for anything, you know, I wouldn't want to be like taking my shirt off. And you know, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right? Like, how how much do the press people really want to get involved with some of these challenges? Well, I think you can. And the the, the challenge we were supposed to do was in the water. And they had to postpone it because what I said earlier, they're having some issues. And I really hope the challenge that we were supposed to do, they're able to do because it's a very cool one. Uh, but they, they had to change the schedule around last minute. Um, you know, I, I, there's usually, again, there's usually legs. The one we did in for Survivor Philippines, there was a leg where you were, it was the first challenge. Uh, so people may remember it. You were tied to someone, had to run through the forest, go up a, a net, get some oars, run back. Two people did that. Next two people had to pull out and push out an outrigger into the water. And this is the section I did with Drew Morehouse. Paddle all the way out. Then someone had to dive down 13 feet, un, uh, unlock a, uh, a chest that weighed about 200 pounds and push it about a, <laughs> 50 to 100 yards back to shore. So we did that. Then there's some other people did the puzzle. So you can, you know, you know the way this work where the Certain people can do certain things. Other people can do other things. But bring up the shirt comment. Have you noticed that contestants, male contestants, are constantly leaving their shirt on now? I'm not talking about just Cochran, but Spencer was swimming with his shirt on. Oh. I feel like that's a thing now where people are keeping their shirt on in the water sometimes. Yeah, I got I, I to gotta look into that. Um, we'll, we'll see if that's a trend know, it's a Maybe it's like a sunblock issue, or I don't know what it is, but, uh, but I've noticed that a lot of dudes leaving their shirts on, and trust me, I'm someone that should leave my shirt on at all times, uh, <laughs> just for everyone's benefit, but uh, usually when I'm in the water, I take it off. Now, you also wrote an article around the time of the finale about this hot streak that Survivor is on, and we'll see if this uh, Survivor 29 can continue that hot streak that the show has been on, but what do you attribute to these last four seasons that I think pretty much almost all the Survivor fans have said have been a, a real renaissance for the show since One World? 
I said that I think it's the if you just look at four take any any four seasons in a row at any point, I honestly think this is the best four season stretch in in the show's history. I really do, and I know a lot of people what they've said and they'll say here is what about Caramoan? Because a lot of people really didn't like Caramoan, specifically the first half of Caramoan, and I agree. I agree with that, that the first half of Caramon was very problematic. It was all based on, on Philip, uh, Shamar, and Brandon. Mm-hmm. And, and two of those people weren't even playing the game. Philip, give Philip a little credit that second time out. He may have been annoying, and he may have done this and that, but he was playing the game. Uh, the other two really were not. Uh, so I get that. I defend, my defense of Caramon is, is that I think sort of like in a sports context, it's really better to finish strong than, than start strong. And I thought Caramon was so great after the merge and so many big moves and big playing and unpredictable stuff that I, that I, I really liked that, ended up liking that season. And I never thought well, that would have been the case for the first half. But if, if, you know, if you're listening to this and you're among those people that hate it because the first half was so bad, I, I get that. But all that said, I think this, this four-stretch run has been unbelievable. It's been so good. And I, I can't – look, if, if, if I were Jeff Probst, he'd say casting – He'd say the casting has just gotten down to a science. I don't know if I buy that. It just could be luck. I mean, honestly, it just could be luck. I think Survivor's always, you know, mixed in some great seasons with some not so great. They're on a good run here. What are what are the what are the constants though, Rob? You know, we had Philippines brought back three players. Caramon brought back what ten? Blood versus Water brought back uh, ten, and then uh, Kagayan or Kagayan, depending on who you're talking to brought back zero. So there's really no uh, constants in terms of that. Some of them had twists that we didn't like. A lot of us didn't like the Super Idol. Uh, Redemption Island was back, although in a better fashion. So there's no constants there either. They're all shot in the Philippines, but in two different places in the Philippines. They were back in the water more. That's good. More so in the first year than the second year. But I, I don't know. I mean, do you see any constants? Maybe there are some more fans uh, than just maybe there's been a little less of the casting in in bars and modeling agencies than there was in the past, but that stuff definitely does still happen. Yeah, it does still happen. I mean, we've talked about this a little bit, and I think that one thing that has been a common denominator for those uh, four seasons that we're talking about is that I think we've had a lot of interactions between the players before the merge, where I feel like the, the, the two seasons with Three Tribes were both hits. And I think the Three Tribes is definitely a way to go because you end up with you know crazier numbers uh, after the merge. And in Blood versus Water, you had all sorts of intermingling because of the people who all knew each other because of the family relationships and then from the Redemption Island. And then in Karamoan, while the swap didn't really hold, uh, the fans got picked off. Like in that boring first half of the season, you almost had like almost all the fans go out and then it became pretty much like a pagonging pre-merge where then it was a lot of people from the returning players tribe, uh, you know, and then using those remaining fans... I don't understand. Are you saying Julia wasn't a riveting character? <laughs> uh, Is that what you just said? How dare you? Talking. No, no, I would never. <laughs> I would never say something like that. Uh, but you know what I mean. It was like a pagonging happened before the merge, and you, then you just had basically like some pawns that took place uh, after the merge with all of these big characters, you know, and, and a bunch of blindsides and swings in the second half of the game. So I feel like the more the people sort of like intermingle before the merge, the better the second half of the season will tend to be. 
I think I think you you hit upon a very good point actually, and and it goes back to the last uh, in my book, Dreadful Season, One World, where um, you had these uh, alliances form right off the bat. I mean, literally, they're not even at the camp; they're walking to camp and they're making these alliances, what have you. And and you have the numbers, and then there's a, a group with the numbers and a group outside the numbers, and pretty much form holds until the merge. So you're just sort of biding your time and waiting. They mix things up with the three tribes the next season to kind of combat that. They bring in, you know, other elements like a blood versus water, other things, mixing up tribes to sort of, that's been a big concern of theirs is how do we keep things unpredictable and keep shaking things up? And you're right. I think they've generally done a very good job of doing that. And I think they've also gotten lucky with people making big moves, people not afraid to make some big, sometimes crazy moves with very aggressive gameplay, which makes for a better, uh, from our perspective, viewing experience for sure. Yeah, just going back to that one more time, you know, we had the three seasons in a row with the Redemption Island and then South Pacific and then One World where, you know, three times in a row you had somebody who was sort of like a big figure, sort of makes an alliance in the beginning of the game and sort of takes that to the end in Boston, Rob and and Coach and Kim. And of course, Coach doesn't win, but it's basically those three players basically had sort of the same game plan, which made for, you know, a relatively boring uh, season. And in South Pacific, you had like the big, you know, little little bump in the middle with Cochran flipping, but all in all, it was, you know, a, you know, rather straightforward march to the end on that season. I think I like, I think I like that season a little more than other people. I don't like love, love, love it. It's probably in like the middle of my rankings somewhere, but it's uh, because of the Cochran, uh, the terrible, just, outright terrible move by John Cochran. It was a good um, middle. Ozzy votes himself yeah, out. Ozzy, like, yeah, Ozzy sending himself to, uh, to redemption, getting back. Uh, there were like a few good big, at least some big moves you can point to from that season. Yeah. But, I, but I, your, your point is totally valid in terms of how it in with those three seasons and just a March, uh, 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 obvious March to the end. Okay. So now looking ahead uh, here with Survivor 29, do you feel like the show is, has it figured out? Do you feel like Survivor 29 will continue this upward trend or are we due for a letdown? Like, I mean, I, I, just by law of averages, don't you sort of feel like we have to have a let? How do you come back from, uh, from this last season? I remember asking Jeff Probst the exact same question when we went to uh, Gabon, or as you call it, Gabon, um, and him saying, uh, me saying the same thing, how, how do you do this after fans versus favorites, Micronesia? And, you know, we saw what happened there. I remember asking him in Nicaragua for Survivor Nicaragua, how do you do this after heroes versus villains? And we saw what happened there. Uh, you know, two not very strong seasons. In fact, Nicaragua, I, I think, is, is the worst one. Um, I think, again, it gets back to law of averages, luck. I mean, they're due. They're due to have a not great season, and it'll seem even more not great by the comparison of this last one. And that doesn't mean it, it, it will be. It could be great. I will tell you, I liked the contestants uh, when I met them, when I interviewed them. I thought they were a good group. Good group. But I also thought the group at Redemption Island was a great group, and that season really disappointed me. When I interviewed that cast from the first Redemption Island season, the Boston Rob Russell thing, I thought they were awesome. I was like, this is the best cast I've interviewed. This is going to be a great season. And then just the way those tribes ended up mixing up with the people, it just, it just, didn't, it just didn't work. It didn't hold. Uh, you know, I really liken this to a chemistry experiment in terms of it's not just getting great characters, but what happens when you mix them up? How do they play off each other? You really don't know till they get out there. It didn't work that time. 
Um, and we'll see how it works this time. One of the things that I've been talking about a lot over the last couple of weeks is what is going to be the impact of Tony on Survivor 29? And is he going to, is, you know, the way he played the game, is that going to be a shadow over Survivor 29? I don't know if you can, if you can talk about this, but was Tony very much on the mind of the new players before they went into the game? Interestingly enough, I didn't hear a lot of talk about Tony when I interviewed them. Not a lot of people brought up his name. It wasn't a big, uh, you know, course of discussion. And then being out there for the first few days, you know, I only see what I see. I go to the opening, I go to the challenge, I go to the first tribal council, and I go to the, the beaches. But I only go to the beaches for like, you know, an hour apiece. So, you know, uh, I was on your beach at uh, All Stars, and I happened to be there when, when the other Rob was trying to make fire and watch that for a little while. Then I take off and I have no idea what happens. But when I was there, I, uh, <laughs> which was a problem, <laughs> I get, but, but, but I did not see a lot of just insane, you know, over the top, aggressive gameplay. Uh, everyone trying to be quote unquote, the next Tony. I didn't see it. It doesn't mean it wasn't happening. No, we're talking about him. There wasn't a lot of talk about him before the game. Okay, now the show and Jeff in particular, you know, makes such a big deal of, hey, got to make big moves. You need to make big moves. Now, in Tony, I feel like the show really has their poster child for you got to make big moves. Even sometimes at Tribal Council, uh, there was one of these episodes this season where somebody got voted off and Jeff's like, okay, there's, you know, so many of you guys are left and it's going to come down to whoever makes the big moves is going to win the game. Now, I know that it's not necessarily how many big moves you make, but necessarily uh, what are the smart moves that you make. But do you feel like the show is drilling the big moves thing into the contestants enough that basically whoever, whenever there's big moves that happen, Survivor wins, whether or not it's a good move for the contestant. Do you feel like uh, that the, sh- the show is going to benefit from players thinking big moves have to happen every single week? You're, you're absolutely right that they're drilling it into their heads uh, for the reasons you just stated. Makes good TV. They're making a TV show, and it's better TV when people are making big moves, whether it's to their uh, advantage or not. And it's really interesting because there'll be times where you know I do those weekly Q and A's with Propes, and I'll call something out and be like, "Oh, this is terrible." And he'd be like, "I disagree. I think you got to make big moves and you got to do this and that." And I'm just like, "Yeah, but it's 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 a bad it's a bad move." And, and I don't know whether that's him just trying to drill it into the contestants to help make a TV show or whether he just respects the guts. And there's a, res- you know, the, I, I get it. You, you put yourself out on a limb. It's so, you know, uh, better than I do, Rob, because you've been out there. But it's, it's so easy to, to make the safe play. It's so easy to just sort of sit back and hope things work out. Are you willing to put your neck on the line? So uh, I respect it when people go out and play the game uh, and, and do things and try to make moves. But doesn't mean I like it, you know, writing a, a love letter to Russell and handing him your immunity idol is another tribe. Uh, you know, I guess there's, you're, you're putting yourself uh, out there and, and there's some respect on one hand, but there's also a, what the hell are you doing on, on the other hand. And from a production standpoint, they would love in a sense to have uh, 16 Tonys or 20 Tonys or 18 Tonys and, and have everyone out there just scheming and moving and doing stuff all the time. It's a lot better for them than just people just sitting on the beach talking about how much chocolate they want to eat. <laughs> That's right. All right. So this past season where we saw so many big moves, I want to turn to your rankings, which uh, this has really become uh, one of the things that you really own is the 
official official survivor rankings or unofficial <laughs> official survivor rankings so, so, so sad but yeah I mean, i've been doing these i don't know for for way way too long it started because i had jeff probst do it way back in like season 10 or something uh, we did an article in ew right we did an article in ew i sat down with him for hours and he ranked all the seasons and then a guy who worked here henry goldblatt um said i'd love to see your ranking and i said oh, all right so i'll do it so i started i started doing that i did a winner's ranking as well which i really need to update uh, but I've been too busy. I'm going to update my winners' ranking soon. But the season by season rankings, I do them every year, and they, you know, they manage to piss people off. Yeah, I remember in the one that Jeff Probst did. I think the the one that really jumped out was like All Stars. Like he was low on, and I feel like there was a point where he was saying like, "Yeah, we'll never do another All Stars." That was a big uh, disaster. Oh. Absolutely. He, 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 you guys made him miserable. I, I, don't was, think, I can't take any blame for that. One, I wasn't there you, that long. You and know two, what? It's a, team, it's, a, it's a team effort. It's a team effort. You made him miserable. You're guilty by association. You, know, you know what it really was? that, and, and from being out there, I felt like the there was a disconnect where you see how he is with the new Survivor contestants. That he they There is a fear of God that they have of Jeff Probst. Everybody's yep. scared of Jeff. That, oh, I don't want Jeff to yell at me. Where the first Survivors, and you had so many of those early survivors you know season one and maybe to a lesser degree season two they didn't they don't treat jeff with the respect that the future survivors would like the jenna lewis's of the world and whatever it's like you know they felt like in in their mind they were the stars of the show jeff was you know the guy smiley or whatever you know he's just there to facilitate them who were the stars and back in the summer of 2000 you know the richard hatches and the sue hawks of the world they were bigger stars than jeff yeah. was and Jeff has had the longevity and now, you know, he's way bigger than any of those guys, but they acted like he was like the substitute teacher. And then here comes Survivor 8. Jeff is like, okay, well, I'm the star of the show. And some of these survivors came back and like, whoa, what are you talking about? Hey, listen, uh, you know, uh, listen, Dimples, uh, let me tell you what's going on. (laughs) And so I think that's why he really didn't like that first All-Stars experience. Is you're absolutely a hundred percent on point. You're a hundred percent on point. It's exactly what it was. Richard Hatch and especially those season one and season two people. Season one, the fifty-four million people watched that finale. They're getting movies. They're getting TV shows and soap operas uh, and advertisements. And they thought they were it. And they thought they were you know they're coming back. And you guys were playing for more money. You know, Tina Wesson got twenty-five thousand for being the first one out instead of you know two thousand five hundred or whatever. And uh, so you guys felt like you were rock stars. I say you guys, meaning everyone, not individually. And it it drove him batty. Yeah. And I think that, you know, me and and Jenna probably, uh, you know, coming in at season six, you know, Jeff had become a much bigger deal in terms of the the show. And so we were already, you know, we didn't want to piss him off. But those first couple people, they uh, did not treat Jeff with a lot of respect. And I think that annoyed him. All right. Let's talk about your your rankings here. So now you do the rankings the third or uh, the Thursday before the the finale. Yeah, I do it. Right. It's in my recap at the at the you know, second, the penultimate episode, if you will. And everyone says, well, why don't you wait to the finale? And Rob, my finale recap was 7,000 words yeah. already. Like it's just, it's, it's too out of control as is. It's too unwieldy. I cannot then put another few thousand words of, of, uh, you know, people are just going to slit their throats if they have to read that much. So I always do it in the episode before. And I say, Hey, something happens in the finale. Like if, uh, Wu and Cass end up being the final two, I can move it down. You know what I mean? But if not, and I can move it up, but it's, it's basically where it's going to be. All right. So in the original rankings you did after the, 
penultimate episode. You had Survivor Kageon as number four winner question mark. Now, Tony ends up winning the game. Does that affect the rankings and does it go higher than four? I don't think so. I think I think it feels right right about there. I knew it would be hard to move up. I knew it could possibly move down beyond uh, the Rob Sesternino, Rob Sesternino starring Survivor Amazon, which is at number five. Yes. Uh, but it's, uh, look, this is crazy. It's basically the highest non-All-Stars season ever, not including the first one, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the highest one ever. And moving above fans' favorites, um, the first fans' favorites, obviously, and heroes versus villains is just really tough. Um, those two were just so strong, so good. You did have this Tyler Perry idol in here, um, but it was it was such a strong season. I'm just, I I just I felt weird putting it so high. I felt re- I really try and think. Wait, am I just getting caught up in the moment? Am I just getting caught up in how good this is? And I'm forgetting. Am I forgetting how great Amazon was? Was I'm, am I forgetting about Pearl Island? Am I sort of not giving Palau its due by putting this Kagayan or Kagian up at number four? But I really thought about it, and I thought about sort of the the check marks against those other three seasons. And I just felt like this is where it belonged. I thought it was that, that good a season, but good characters. You had big personalities, but they were game players too. They weren't just like Shamars and Brandon. These, you know, Tony was playing the game. Spencer was playing the game. Cass just made terrible move after terrible move, but she was playing the game. She was making moves and doing stuff, even if I didn't agree with it. So, uh, it felt right to me. Where would you put it is my question. Well, the thing that's hard for me to do is to rank Survivor Amazon as an impartial right. observer. So I, I have to yeah. just take that take that out. I think I would probably have Pearl Islands above uh, Kageyan, but then I, I don't have a problem with it. I think that above Palau is fine with me, but I feel like Pearl Islands is probably a little low. Do, do you do okay and, and totally fair uh, statement do you feel how does the, how do the outcasts how does that affect your feeling and how does that final two uh sandra versus lil affect yeah your that's that's fair but i do feel like that sandra coming back and winning heroes versus villains makes that feel like less of that she was you know not a great winner i feel like this is going to be the person who's going to come back and win a second time too so she becomes even more iconic than i probably felt at the time and the outcasts think uh, you know with you know by at that point in time, sure, it was like, oh, well, what's this? People who got voted out come back in the game. But now we have, you know, Redemption Island and people getting voted out three times in a season. And so it doesn't seem as unpalatable now as it might have been at the time. So it- even though they were like in a, in a hotel being fed <laughs> and then and then coming to like allegedly, I mean, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. <laughs> so. Hey, look, I, I love Perons, too. I have it as six. I mean, we both are feel the same way about it. I mean, Rupert, this is back when we all loved Rupert, mm-hmm. right? He's stealing the shoes. you got fair play, just getting wasted at Tribal <laughs> Council. That, remember Survivor? Everyone used to get wasted. Tom Westman freaking got wasted one year. Why aren't people getting drunk at these reward feasts anymore? I love that stuff. Is it a liability? Got, I, th- I don't know. They, I feel like they, they still get booze. They still get beer, and they still, like, 
uh, get mimosas, it looks like, and, and stuff. But it used to be there's always someone like Jan or whatever from Thailand. There's people always just getting drunk off their asses, and it never seemed to happen anymore. You yeah. get back to that. It's classic Survivor there, Rob. <laughs> we got to look into that. Uh, I got drunk uh, at least one time on Survivor. They gave us like a bunch of beers, and we had like a merge feast, and, and they gave us like, you know, like 30 or 40 like Coors Light. And Roger was. Silver Bullet? Yeah, Silver Bullets. <laughs> and I, we like kept them around, and I was drinking them the next day and roger is like ah we gotta get rid of these beers uh you know we gotta put the ice on the food i'm like come on man let's uh you now, know why not here's my question because i would overthink that so much that i'd be like i'm so dehydrated as it is the last thing i want to drink is a beer and you know i love beer yeah you know i love Tona. my beer but like i'd be i would i would seriously think twice about it just because i'd be worried that it would dehydrate me even more uh, Dalton, I was 24 years old. Uh, you know, it okay, was the, not enough. the same thought process that I would have. I would think that <laughs> way now if I wasn't even on Survivor. Like, oh, it's hot out. I maybe I shouldn't yep. be drinking. But you know, at the at the time, I was you know 24. I'm like, hey, I'm on Survivor. Let's let's uh, let's party. You know what? You don't drink those beers. Maybe you hold that headdress up. That's all I'm saying, Rob. <laughs> that was That's like 20 days later. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. It stays in your system. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, Survivor Kagiyan at uh, potentially number four. What's the most controversial thing in these rankings that you have? What, what's the one thing that people always say to you? Like, uh, like ah, what, what? are you kidding me? Yeah, there's a few. Uh, I mentioned Karamoan, which I have at number 10, uh, which a lot of people do not like because of the pre-merge. I get that. I've already outlined my reasons why I have it that high. I think Samoa, which I have at 11, a lot of people have a lot lower. I honestly think that's just a a bias against Russell Hance. Uh, and there were, look, there was a week, there was a week period sort of in the middle there where uh, pre-merge where it was a little boring. So, but, uh, I, I think it was a strong season. I thought, I think we saw a player play the game. We'd never, we'd never seen it before and, and be down eight to four and yet flip and get his entire sort of, uh, you know, alliance to the end. So I've got that higher probably than most people. China, uh, I only have it 13 and, um, I get a lot of gruff for that, and I get it. Great cast, uh, good winner. Um, I, I, I hated the location. The location was, was, was pretty terrible. Uh, so that had something to do with it. It probably deserves a rewatch. And, you know, it's not a case where I don't lo- like it. I really like China a lot. I just don't know what I would move down for that. And then uh, South Pacific, I, like I said, I have that at 16, so I don't have it particularly high, but maybe a little higher than most people. And if she wants Australia, I have Australia at 15 and right in the middle. And I just, it's such a, it's the most watched survivor season ever. And I remember Probst used to have it as his number one tied with the first season. And I, I always found it a, uh, a little lackluster by comparison with some of the other things. So that's where I have that. What do you, what do you make of all those numbers I just gave you? Uh, a lot of numbers. I think it's hard for Jeff to sort of just like, you know, it's hard for me to remove myself from the opinion of, of Amazon. I think it's probably hard for Jeff to sort of remove himself from like, you know, Australia being ranked so high because, you know, the show was sort of like, you know, a phenomenon in the first show, but just as far as like a, there are a ratings winner. Like I'm sure there was probably never a higher high than Australia where it was like, just like from week to week, it was like a slow burn for the first survivor of like, you know, people finding the show, but it was like people knew about it and it was a hit and it was never going to be bigger than it was in Australia. So I think it's hard for him to probably separate the, you know, how much people were loving the show then from, you know, how it holds up uh, after all. As far as um, a couple of those other ones, you know, I think Samoa is probably, I would probably have it 
higher. Uh, I remember being such a controversy at the time of, you know, should Russell have won? And I remember you were being, you were very firm on that Russell should have won Samoa on at that time. Do, have you backed away from that or do you still feel like... Not at all. Yeah. Not, not one bit. And it's, it's the thing people got most mad at me for when I did that winner's ranking because I think I had Natalie White maybe at the very bottom. And, uh, and I'm going to get a lot of hate comments here too. It's just, it's the way I feel. And, and look, I don't think he should have won Heroes versus Villains. I think he really need to separate those two seasons mm-hmm. and uh, I think Parvati should have won Heroes vs. Villains I think the wrong person won that season but I just think it should have been Parvati I, I mean I, I don't think you can compare uh, Natalie White and, and Russell uh, I really don't I think John Fincher got it right I think he wrote it for the right guy I mean he, he did he rub a little salt in the wound yes but he played the best game and you can say social is part of the best game but I, I don't remember him you know, uh, totally degrading people as he voted them out, like sort of like what you saw sometimes with him and Rupert and things in Heroes versus Villains. He was better than people. He he tricked them. He beat them. He found idols when they couldn't. He was clearly, clearly better. And I think it was a little bit of bitter jury syndrome. I mean, do you honestly think that Natalie White played a better game than him, Rob? No, I don't. And I actually had a uh, a lengthy conversation with Russell about this uh, very topic last week. So that's why it's very fresh in in my mind. Uh, and I was asking Russell about his opinion of Tony. And Russell felt that, you know, he played uh, that Tony basically played the same exact game that he played, except that Tony did not have a bitter jury, but Russell did. But I feel like Tony was better in the social game than Russell was. Agreed. Uh, I, I, I agree with that. Look, absolutely agree with that. But, um, uh, you know, I'm not going to say Russell and uh, nor have I said Russell like played the game better than anyone else that season, that anyone from any season. But he definitely played the best game of anyone on Survivor Samoa. Uh, especially sitting there at the end. Um, and he should have won. And I, I stand by it. And, and I think you really just need to, if you're a fan of Survivor, put your you know, personal feelings aside. And Natalie White, and, and you know, you've spoken to her, I'm sure, and I've spoken to her. Yeah. And she's a sweetheart. She's an absolute sweetheart. And I felt, I felt bad after that season. I spoke to her at that uh, 10-year anniversary party. And, uh, and she knew the thing, she knew I felt and she knew what I, I'd written and, and we had a nice chat about it. And I said, uh, you know, I just got to write the way I feel watching the show. And, and that's how it is. But I feel bad. And I feel bad with when I do the season rankings, uh, especially for those, those, uh, scenes I put at the bottom, because a lot of people get upset because they love Nicaragua or they loved one world. And I have them at the bottom and I do feel bad because look, if someone makes a connection with that season and that season to them is really important to them and they made a connection with the, the players and then here comes this blowhard Dalton Rawson to tell them how, how crappy that season was. I, I get it. I get why they might react negatively to that. I just, all I, it's, all I say is it's just one dude's opinion. It's no more or less important than anyone else's. It's just one dude's opinion. We all have them. They're not going to match up. They never do match up, and that's why Survivor's so great, because we can all argue about this as long as we want and come at it with different viewpoints, and, and it's why we're still in, you know, now in season 29. It's awesome. Do you ever go back and rewatch a season? Nope. Don't have time. I would. I just. I don't have any time whatsoever. Yeah. And there are other people that are that are certainly more qualified to bring up past points than me because I. I simply, with two kids and my job and now doing the radio every day, I just. I do not have time. I'd love to do it. I got all the DVDs. I think that they've put out on that weird Amazon thing, and uh, and, and I've got other ones, but um. 
I just don't have the time. Do you? No, you know, I people get on me a little bit for this of like, oh, you don't remember that fact. But no, I, I really have not. I, I tend to, you know, deal very much with it in the present, but I don't do any sort of uh, going back and, and rewatching uh, the old stuff. And, and, and maybe in the future, I'll be able to uh, to change that. But no, I, I, I really don't myself. Yeah, I mean, I'd, uh, same deal. Maybe one day when we're in the old folks home and we'll have a chip implant in our brain where we have all the survivor seasons logged in and we we blink three times and then we, we watch the whole season in like two seconds or somehow it's uploaded matrix style. But, but, uh, right now just unfortunately, uh, just don't have the time. All right. And last thing, Dalton Ross, this this is what I want to know from, from you that I think that maybe you did miss your calling for being a survivor player, because as we've already established in this interview, you are a challenge threat. Uh, you're a a very personable and and likable guy, but as as you demonstrated uh, a couple of weeks ago on EW morning live, you have the ability to you to be such a good liar that you can beat a lie detector tests (laughs) it's honestly my proudest moment that's how sad my life is that 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 was my proudest moment was beating a lie detector test i thought i could do it everyone said i couldn't do it this guy who administers them for a living this guy uh tim from veritas polygraph called in the show said i couldn't do it came in brought all his equipment they even bring like a pad for you to sit on because apparently one way to beat a lie detector test i'm not trying to be graphic here but is to to tense up your sphincter I'm not kidding. Apparently that was on the Americans that show recently. I didn't see that, but, but so the pad beeps if you try and do that. So this is like serious, hardcore stuff. And, um, and I, my whole thing was, it sort of goes back to, I'm sure you're a Seinfeld guy, yeah. George Costanza. It's not a lie if you believe it. And so I just convinced myself of things and I was able to beat the test. But how did you get the idea to say, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I could beat a lie detector test. You know what? We were talking about like, weird reality game shows and remember the moment of truth of course with mark non funky bunch show uh, Wahlberg, <laughs> hosted by him and i just I said, he hosted like, a couple of those you, shows well, yeah i was like why wouldn't you just with your significant other say honey i'm going to go on and there's a show where they asked embarrassing questions and put you on the spot like have you ever cheated on your wife or done this or that and i was like i'm just going to go on and say yes to everything i'm going to say i've done everything i'm going to convince myself i've done everything and it's going to say i've passed the test and we're going to win all the money and they said, you can never do it. It's impossible. Uh, and the expert said, it's impossible. You can't. I was like, I really think I could. So I had him come in and I did. So it makes that apparently I'm a terrible person. All right. Well, you could hear Dalton Ross uh, beating lie detectors and talking about uh, much, much more uh, every weekday on EW Morning Live. Well, what's the serious channel? Uh, 105. If you've uh, got the serious XM rock and we're uh, channel 105, uh, yeah, Monday through Friday mornings. It's a, it's a lot of fun. All right, and follow at Dalton Ross on Twitter, but you probably do already. But uh, just in case uh, you're the one or two Survivor fans that aren't already following, uh, make sure you uh, stay on top of everything. And Dalton, thanks again for, for coming on with me. I, I really do appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. I know you got a million things going on. Well, I, I always appreciate it. I love catching up with you, dude. I remember uh, when we first met face-to-face on uh, a pregame for All-Stars, I was interviewing you, and uh, being able to sit down and, and talk strategy, and you talked me about your binders you had and how much you had over-prepared from a strategic standpoint. I said, this is my kind of guy. Yeah. I, like, I like where he's coming that's, from. Didn't serve you so well in that game. Where does that get right. you? Where does that get you? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right. The point is I would have done the exact same thing, and there's nothing I, I love more than just geeking out and, and talking, uh, talking Survivor with you, dude, and you do, do such an awesome job 
uh, with all the coverage uh, on the website and the podcast and everything. So uh, I love, always love talking to you. Get your ass into New York so we can uh, hang out soon, man. All right, now you sound like my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work with her to make that happen. All right. Well, Dalton, thanks again, and uh, talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks, Rob. Bye. All right, everybody. There you have it. That was Dalton Ross back here on Rob Has a Podcast. Lots of fun with Dalton. Okay. So we've got a lot more still coming up this week. I haven't really made a big deal about this, but I think a lot of you guys are going to be excited because on Wednesday, Nicole and I are going to get back together and bring you guys the return of a fan favorite here on Rob Has a Podcast. The Friggin' Five will return on Wednesday. If you have some ideas for show topics or topic topics i don't know what we call if you have an idea for numbers for the friggin five podcast send me some tweets tomorrow at rob sesternino and let me know what you think should be in the friggin five show that nicole and i are going to return that'll be up for you guys on thursday morning here on rhap and then don't forget our survivor top 20 listener poll my poll is up and you can see it on the website right now if you go there at rob has a website.com slash survivor top 20 so that's it for today we'll talk to you guys tomorrow as well have a good week everybody we'll talk to you again soon bye